The sermon that I'm about to preach is very difficult for me to live out. And recently, I have not modeled it well or experienced much. And I'm in need of abundant grace and provision to grow. And so with that encouraging word, let me tell you what I'm talking about. Here is a reoccurring scenario in my life, perhaps yours as well. Something makes me happy. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm excited that people just got baptized about a month ago at the lake, or I'm in a good mood because I had an effective day at work, or I'm happy because I went out on a date with my wife, or I had fun playing with my kids. And so there are things in life that make me joyful and happy. Yet, I quickly let other people steal my joy. Um, it it kind of goes like this. Someone starts to complain, and I get anxious. Or somebody starts to get angry, and I get fearful. Or somebody gets really irritable, and it makes me irritable. The bottom line is this. It doesn't take much to take away my joy and happiness. It's like this. It's like I'm, I'm around a campfire. Humor me, if you will. I'm around a campfire, and I'm singing a song. And I'm singing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? down in my heart. Where? And so I'm singing this song, and some disgruntled person comes by with their issues and drenches my fire, and I'm totally bummed, and this happens all the time. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about something I don't experience much. Just because I don't experience it doesn't mean that it's not real, very real. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about something called unquenchable joy. Here's the definition of unquenchable joy. Unquenchable joy is sustainable happiness in the Lord produced by the Holy Spirit. Sustainable happiness in the Lord produced by the Holy Spirit. Do not think when I talk about joy, I'm talking about happy, happy, ha-ha, or smiley Christian. In fact, during the whole sermon today, I will not smile. I'm just kidding. I'll smile. But don't think that I'm talking like that, all right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about a joy that no matter the junk that's going on, no matter the issues that people have, it is sustainable joy in the Holy Spirit that circumstances and people cannot take away. But get this, here's a little bonus. Not only can other people not take my joy away or your joy away, but watch this. It's also a joy that allows you to minister to other people. It's a dual-purpose joy. It's a dual-purpose joy where it gives you sustained happiness and it allows you to minister to the unhappy. It's a kind of joy that gives you sustained happiness 
and allows you to minister to the unhappy. And may I add that it also brings glory to the Lord. That's the unquenchable joy I'm talking about today. It's not just for you, but it's also for other people. And that's what God wants for my life. That's what he wants for your life. In order to study this today, we're going to continue in our series on the fruit of the spirits, what we're talking about this summer. And this morning we come to joy. And one of my favorite passages is in the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're in the last chapter of 1 Thessalonians. This is where the Apostle Paul is giving a variety of an encouragement to the church on how they are to conduct themselves with one another. And I'm going to do something here. I'm going to, he, he gives like these series of admonitions and I'm just going to jump right in the middle of them, if that's okay, and pull out in the middle of them as well. So let's just do that. Just, just stay seated this morning. We're going to start in verse 14 and stop in verse 19. Let me go ahead and read that to you. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the fainthearted, help the weak, Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Let's stop there. I saw a connection recently in this passage that I've never seen before and I have to share with you. And I want to give credit to where credit is due. I was, uh, one of my favorite books that I've read by John Piper, it's called How to Fight for Joy uh, When I Don't Desire God. And he helped me to see a connection in here that I, I've never seen before. And it's amazing, it's one of my favorite passages. So here goes the gist of his explanation. I hope you can track with me. All around you are needy, draining people that I just described your life. All around you are, of course you're not a needy, draining person, but all around you are needy, draining people. The idle are provoking you, the faint-hearted are leaning on you, the weak are depleting you, and this would make a normal person angry, sullen, or discouraged. But according to the passage, you were called to encourage them, help them, Be patient with them and not return evil for evil. And the question is, how are we supposed to do this? And the answer is in verse 16 where Paul says, rejoice always. Or other versions say, be joyful always. And and it's it's a joy we're going to talk about that's in the Lord because the draining people are not giving us joy. They're not giving me joy. But if it's a joy in the Lord that is going to enable me and enable you to minister to these draining people. So it's a joy that you get to experience and that flows over out of you and ministers to them and brings glory to the Lord. And connected with that is praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, and not quenching the Spirit. And, And I love this. What I'm telling you today is that the Holy Spirit wants to produce joy in you that is sustained in you and that spills and helps other people. That's for real. That's what the Bible says. That's what we're going to talk about. 
So let's do it. Let's first talk about those annoying people. All right? Let's talk about them. Don't you like that? Let's just talk about annoying people. Let's talk about people. I feel like we're a gossip columnist. All right? So here we go. Look in the passage, and you will see that first you have the idol in verse 14. The idol would be people who are considered undisciplined or unruly, or they're, they're always causing problems. They're habitually complaining that things aren't right, and they're habitually stirring up problems. And often, if you're in a church long, people like this tend to go unchecked within many churches. And so if you have an idol person within the church, Paul says, do not ignore them, but confront them. In fact, admonish them. So what you're supposed to do in your joy in the Lord, you're not supposed to ignore them, you're not supposed to just act like they're not there, but you're to admonish them and say, hey, get it together. Hey, let's, let's move this direction. And so we, not, we don't just have the idle that are difficult people, but we also have the ones here who are called the faint-hearted. And the faint-hearted are the ones, and we all get here in, in times of our life where we get very depressed or maybe we get anxious or fearful. And, but sometimes when you're trying to minister to someone who is faint-hearted or depressed, it can be very depleting and, and it can wear you out. But Paul says what they need is your encouragement. So in your joy, what you're supposed to do, you're not supposed to let them steal your joy. You're not supposed to encourage them, uh, take, you know, ignore them in your joy, but you're supposed to encourage them. Say, hey, look, God is here. God loves you. He's not, he's not left you or forsaken you. His promises are still for you. So the, the, those who are faint-hearted are to be encouraged. And then you have the third group here that is uh, called the weak the weak is that brother or sister in the congregation who continues to fall into sin. And if you are trying to help someone who keeps doing the same stupid sins over and over again, it can be very frustrating with you, and you kind of want to shake them and say, man, get your stuff together. What is your problem? But you're not supposed to do that. In your joy, you're not supposed to let them steal your joy. You're not to ignore them in your joy. But what does it say are supposed to be done with the weak? Well, you're supposed to help them. Supposed to give them hope and a future of victory. And all these draining people, according to the Bible, need your patience. Don't need you to be impatient with them. They need you to be patient with them. Don't write them off. Be patient. And then jump at verse 15. Verse 15 says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So when people start draining you, they start stealing your happiness and joy, it's, it's, it's a temptation for all of us that we want to lash out at them. I mean, maybe someone at work keeps messing with you, you just want to go off on them, or your kids keep bothering you, or your spouse, and you just kind of want to just yell at them, say, leave me alone, quit draining me. And sometimes you may want to lash out and repay evil for evil, but the Bible says, no, don't do that. Be patient with these draining people. In fact, do good to them and help them. And as I'm reading this passage, I'm thinking to myself, this is hard to do. Because when I'm happy, when I'm feeling good, and when I'm around people like this who are draining and trying to suck me dry, I get so discouraged, I get frustrated, and sometimes I want to lash out. Is there anybody with me? Yes. It's hard. It's just hard. But the solution, according to Paul and the Word of God through Paul, is that we can have joy that will allow us to minister to them, to help them. 
Not about joy and that's so special about us, but it's joy in the Lord to help them. And this is what I want us to see as we come to this joy, this unquenchable joy. Look at verse 16. Rejoice always. Are we joyful always? This is this sustainable happiness in the Lord. It's not saying that um, it's just happiness and happiness sake or happiness just so you can feel good. No, it has happiness that is the object of the Lord. If you read the Bible enough, you'll see that we were to rejoice in the Lord, be joyful in the Lord. Uh, let me hit you with several verses throughout the Bible about being joyful in the Lord. Psalm 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. I just put the first part off part up because many of you memorized that verse. And you know the second part, but he'll give you the desires of your heart. But the first part says, delight yourself in the Lord. In the Lord. Another verse. Psalm 16.11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 32.11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Are, are, you, are you tracking with me now when I'm saying we're not just trying to be happy or joyful for happy and joy's sake. It's an object. We are happy in the object. The Lord makes us happy. We're rejoicing in him. We're glad about him. He, he sets our hearts to bring him praise because he is our object. Now, here is the problem. I think I've pinpointed the problem. Here's where it goes. If people are stealing your joy and are stealing your happiness, it's, are you with me? It's probably because you've made something else a greater joy than joy in the Lord. That's probably not a big revelation to you. Maybe it is. You've made something or someone else Greater joy than joy in the Lord. So if you are interacting with draining people, frustrating people, and you go away angry, sad, or depressed, your joy and your happiness was probably in something else that was over happiness in the Lord. Doesn't mean you can't have happiness in those other things, but you probably put them up here and your joy in the Lord is way down here. Let me explain. Tomorrow, there's a big event taking place at my house. And you're all welcome to come. It's a very exciting event. Tomorrow at my house begins the process of installing overhead sewers. Welcome, one and all. It's going to be a great time. And let me tell you why I'm so excited about getting overhead sewers at my house. It's because my basement has flooding issues, which means that uh, if there's too much rain, sometimes the, the sewer will back up, this is gross, through the floor and just kind of flood the basement. It's disgusting. And so now we're taking care of that problem, and we're getting overhead sewers, and I am very happy about that. I'm so happy that you're all invited to come and celebrate with me. I'm getting overhead sewers, and I'm happy about it. But get this. So let's just say I take my joy in overhead sewers, and then I start to interact with a draining person. You, you get it? Draining? No, my, oh, right, so, but let's say, let's say I start to interact with a, a draining person, and, and they're, 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 just, they're just, oh, they're just going on and on and on, and, and I say, hey, 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 it's okay. You can be in a good mood. I'm getting overhead sewers. 
Does that work? No, they don't care. That's not going to help them. And and quickly, as they go on and on, it's probably going to sap my joy because my joy has taken sewers and put it way up here where the Lord's joy is way down here. And not only do I not help somebody else, but they steal my joy in my sewers. We do this all the time, whether it's football games or husband and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, our jobs, our kids, when things are not going well, where we've placed our ultimate happiness, not only can other people steal it, but we won't be able to help them. That is why our joy in the Lord is to be the ultimate, the number one priority. It's to be up here with all the other lesser joys in their right place. And when you swap them, you'll know. You will always know when you're swapping these joys because it will be stolen quickly. It will be people like me putting out your campfire over and over again because you're swapping them. So this joy is to be in the Lord. And with that, in some way that is connected, is this continual prayer in verse 17 where it says, pray without ceasing. So there's some connection here between joy and prayer. It seems like the prayer nourishes the joy. And so what does this mean when it says pray without ceasing? Does that mean you're not supposed to do your job, that you're just to be praying all day and you're to ignore other people? I don't think it has the idea that you're praying 24 hours a day mouthing words. Obviously, you're always going to be in the presence of the Lord every day. And in a sense, it's like acknowledging his presence. But I think that it means consistently throughout your day to be talking to God. Just be talking to God. You say to the Lord, Lord, help me. God, I praise you. Just throughout the day, in your head, maybe with your mouth, on the way to work, throughout the day. Lord, help me with the situation. God, I just praise you for being real. God, I thank you that you love me. You're so awesome. Lord, turn my heart to you. So uh, throughout the day, talking to God. In fact, I'm going to go so far to say this. And, and, and I, this hit me last night when someone mentioned it and I said, oh, that's really good. So I'm going to tell you guys. What I want you to do, I want you to be talking to God so much throughout the day that you are bothering him. Go ahead, just bother God. Just, you know how people are bothering you all day? They're bringing their problems to you all day? I really think the Lord wants us to bother him with our problems. Now, of course, he's, he's not annoyed like you get annoyed with other people, but I think the Bible wants us to keep talking to God, keep coming to him, say, God, help me. God, help me. God, come through. God, I need you. God, give me joy. God, I'm going to bother you. There's a parable in the Bible about that. You can look that up later. But just about, just keep coming, just keep coming, just keep coming to him. Bother God throughout the day. And I think that nourishes joy. But also part of this joy in prayer is also thanksgiving. Look at verse 18. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Huh. So we have this joy that's nourished by prayer. Where we're talking to God. Habitual thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in all circumstances? Are you kidding me? I don't want to go into it. No need to go into it. You know your life. I want to say that with the life of our church, I've been here many years, this week stands out as a week that many of you have had significant problems. 
for real. And you know what they are. You know what's going on in your life. And when you see a passage like this, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, you want to say, what? Are you kidding me? Now, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. So for those of you who have been sick recently, uh, maybe you've been throwing up, it's not like you're supposed to go, you know, thank you, God, that I'm just throwing up right now. No. But you're to be thankful in that circumstance and say, God, you are in control. You love me. You care for me. You know the future. I don't know it. And so, God, thank you for being here right now. Think about the Old Testament character, Job. What happened to him? His kids are being killed. He's losing his property. His body is failing him. And what does he do? He blesses the Lord. He praises the Lord. He's a great example of giving thanks in all circumstances. So we have this thankfulness. We have this continual prayer. And, and these are kind of just nourishing that joy, that that unquenchable joy. But look at the next passage about the Holy Spirit's fire. This is good. Look at verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, some have connected this verse with verses 20 and 21, and that may be a good connection. Verses 20 and 21 talk about not despising prophecies and keep the good, reject the bad, because the Spirit wants to have freedom to speak. But, but I think that this could be just a general statement that applies to the whole passage of not quenching the Spirit. Very similar to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians uh, 4.30, where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I think there's some connection there with this, do not quench the Spirit, that can have application to many of the commands in the Bible. And here's the idea of what it means, all right? The Holy Spirit is like a flaming fire. He, I said he, not it, he lives in the believer. And when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit took a residence in you. And think about when you became a believer. Think about the joy that you had. Think about the fact that you were headed to hell. Somehow you heard the gospel that there can be a rescue and a reunion with God through the death of Jesus, who was buried and rose again. You put your faith in him, you're filled with the Spirit, and you had joy. Many of you remember your initial conversion of joy. The reality is that that joy is to continue. That the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Spirit, wants to continue to produce joy in you in the Lord, continually. But you can, in a sense, put that fire out. Other people can't. Other people can't quench the Spirit's work in your life if it's truly in the Lord, all right? But you can. You can quench the Spirit by saying, today, I am not going to rejoice in the Lord. Today, I'm not going to pray. No way. And today, I'm not going to be thankful. When you start living like that, you are quenching the Spirit. And I'm going to go a step further. When you are living like that, You are not in the will of God. (laughs) You are not doing the will of God. Many people, especially this age group, wants to know what is the will of God for your life. 
Well, the will of God is very simple. There's many things we could say about that. But for one, look again at verse 18. Look at it. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for you to rejoice continually, pray habitually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And when you're not doing that, you're putting out the Spirit's fire, you're quenching the Spirit, and you're not walking in the will of God. Isn't it great? You come to church, and I actually told you the will of God for your life. No need to search anymore. Be joyful always, pray, continue to give thanks in all circumstances. When you're not doing that, you're quenching the Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit who lives in you at your conversion continually wants to express this joy. This joy in the Lord. No matter the circumstances. I tell you what. There are some of you that I interact with in your suffering. I cannot believe how thankful you are. It makes no human sense why you should be thankful in your suffering because some of you are dealing with some serious stuff and you have this steadiness, this trust, this joy, this prayer life, this thanksgiving, and I'm like, you're doing it. (laughs) The Spirit's fire is being expressed through you in your circumstances and knowing no one is going to steal that at all. That's what I want. I know that's what you want. You want that unquenchable joy. And once again, just to recap, unquenchable joy is what? Sustainable happiness in the Lord produced by the Holy Spirit. It's a dual purpose joy. It gives you sustained happiness and it allows you to minister to the unhappy. It almost, I would say, joy fuels the mission. We all want to be missional. We want to go out and change the world. Joy is going to fuel that mission. So here we go. I'm going to ask you to tell me where you're at on this sliding scale of joy. Are you over here quenching the spirit? There's no joy in your life in the Lord. There's no prayer except for dinnertime prayer. <laughs> There is no thanksgiving. Are you quenching the spirit? Or are you over here where you have joy in the Lord? You desire him. You want to know him more. It's not perfect. But you're praying. You're talking to him. You're interacting with him. You're thankful. Like, for real, where are you at? And most of us are kind of back and forth, obviously. But how can you experience this sustained joy? no matter what's going on, that others can't steal. This is what happened to me. Three years ago, I've told some of you this before, three years ago, um, I wasn't feeling so good emotionally, physically, and I would even say spiritually. I was kind of numb. I was pretty down. And I remember one day thinking to myself, you know, I want to feel better, and I got to... I want to be happy in the Lord. And so I, I set out on this quest for joy. Okay, humor me for a second. Uh, a quest for joy. And I thought, I want to evaluate every area of my life uh, emotionally, relationally, physically, and spiritually because I want joy. And so I started tackling some of the relationship issues that I had head on. Okay, let's deal with this relationships. And then I started saying, okay, you know what? I want to start dealing with some of these emotional things that I'm feeling. And so, God, I want to start expressing my emotions to you better. 
And then physically, I'm thinking, man, I, I want to make sure what I'm putting in my body is, is, is good for me or it's not making me like feel yucky and there's some type of the food that I'm eating. So I want to kind of evaluate that. And also, spiritually, I want to encapsulate it all. I want to find happiness in God and God alone. And I want to tell you, this 360 evaluation of all of life is helpful because I know some of you want joy in the Lord, but if you're not going to examine some of these areas in life, it's not going to come. I mean, look, humor me. Once again, I've said humor me three times today, so humor me on this one. If you're living a life in sin and you want joy in the Lord and you're going to ignore that, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Like if you want this closeness with God and yet you're going to ignore some area of sin in your life, you're not going to get it. So don't play games with me. Don't play games with God. Don't even pray when we're done here and say, God, give me joy while I ignore this issue in my life. Don't do that. It's all connected together. But for me, when I started to address these areas of life, when it came to the spiritual portion of how I wanted to fuel joy in my life, for me, I'll tell you what worked. And, and I hate to say it, what worked. I feel like I'm just giving you 10 or 12 steps to happiness. I'm not doing that. What helped me and what continues to help me, imperfectly as it is, is that I really find it helpful to memorize the Bible some of you are saying, that's not my thing, and I understand that. But it really has helped me, and this is why, because when I'm memorizing Scripture, I'm like talking to God about my issues and what he's saying and how he's addressing me. And, and I find my mindset and my joy and my happiness in the Lord to be, con- to be healthy when I'm in the Bible. And for me, memory works. And that, that's kind of my quest for joy that I, that I started three years ago. And you know what's happened over those three years? Over the last three years... God has called me to minister in situations that could be very draining. It seems like it's been an increase in the last three years. And I'm supposed to minister out of joy. And when I have these interactions with people, and if I go away depressed for the next week to ten days, I know that I must have been putting my joy into something else while God is down here. Where will your quest for joy begin? Where will it continue? Some of you act like God is holding out on you. Some of you act like that God doesn't want you to be happy in him. Some of you act like he doesn't want to give you joy. Some of you act like that God is elusive, that God has issues with you, and he doesn't want to give you joy. He'll give everybody else joy, but he's kind of left you out. That is not the case. He's not elusive. So where will you begin on your quest for joy? And I have no plan for you. In fact, I can't give you any steps on what you should do next. What I'm going to simply ask you to do is that when I'm finished, I'm just going to ask you to pray and say, okay, God, I want happiness in you. I want what the Bible says, be joyful always. Rejoice, Lord. I want that to happen within me. Now, of course, not just for you, in order to minister to draining people and to give glory to God. So what I'm about to do is I'm going to close, and then we're going to pray, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to encourage you. If you really want joy in the Lord for you and for others, to ask for it. Simply ask for it. And while you're asking for it, ask God, is there anything in my life that is hindering me from this joy? 
Are there reasons why I'm not praying continually? Are there reasons why I'm not thankful? Are there reasons why I don't have joy in you? Is there some sin in my life that's kind of blocking all of this? Do you want that joy? The joy produced by the Holy Spirit that is sustainable for others, for you, to God's glory. If that's what you want, I can encourage you to start right now through prayer. So let's just stop everything and pray. Lord, I ask that right now, in the middle of summer, where people, including myself, are distracted with vacation, time off, time on, entertainment, relationships, whatever it is, I just ask that right now, you would hear the cry of that man in here, that woman in here, that kid in here who wants joy in you for themselves and to minister to those in their lives who need help. So right now, Lord, I ask that you would hear the prayers of your people and that no one in here would be playing games with you right now, asking for joy out of one side of their mouths and then continuing to, to sin habitually. So right now, Lord, hear the prayers of your people. So right now, while you're sitting there, go ahead and talk to God. Bother him. Tell him that you want him and you desire him to cleanse your life and to give you joy in him alone. And where you've elevated other joys and got joy out of place, tell him that. Confess it. Let's go to a time of prayer. I'll pray silently myself. Let's pray. Lord, you are not elusive. You want us to have joy in you for your glory, for us, for others. And we just ask that right now you will be responding to our prayers. And we know Holy Spirit wants to give us this joy. And may we continue this attitude and this conversation with you all week. In Jesus' name, amen.